And I am recording. <sighs> My name is Brie Castellini. My name is Chris Cherry. And, and we, we used to, to be spies. spies. Even more saccharine than I could have even imagined. And this, for one last time, is Burn, comma, noticed. A weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast and this episode in particular, we have been and will rate each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to get in touch to wax nostalgic about the show Burn Notice, the podcast Burn Comma Noticed, or anything in between, as long as it's only to say nice things, because that will all be all that we accept, uh, you can check our episode notes for our contact info. Welcome, welcome to the series finale of Burn Noticed, everybody. Oh, gosh. I mean, we will have some bonus episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah? I guess top of the show housekeeping, and I feel like we did this at the end of last season too, but just to remind you, this is the last proper episode of Burn Noticed that we will ever record, which is wild, and I'm feeling all sorts of ways about. But the actual show feed will have two more things coming out. Next week, we will be watching the pilot of Leverage, which has been a thing that we have been sort of teasing since season one. Uh-huh. Uh, it'll be Chris's first time seeing Leverage ever. I've never watched an episode of Leverage, well, even though all of my friends have. Yeah, <laughs> and we all told her not to watch it because it may or may not ruin Burn Notice for her. So <laughs> we're, we're going to watch the pilot together next week and talk about Leverage a little bit. And then the week after that, the final episode on this podcast feed, uh, unless we end up with a windfall and decide to do our Dexter show, is going to be uh, Chris and I breaking our very own episode of Burn Notice based on everything that we've learned about the show, everything that we've loved, and everything that it could be in Every- our grubby little hands. Exactly. Everything we've learned from Spy Tips, mm-hmm. everything that we've learned from Big Daddy, Yep. we will like put to good use. And I guess as our top of the show small talk, we recorded this on the same day that we recorded the last two episodes because... On a whim. (laughs) No, we, as we mentioned last week, Mm -hmm. we have a movie date. We do. We have a girl date to the movies. Exactly. And we thought that recording the penultimate episode would take longer, Mm -hmm. but there was nothing to it. And so we got through it very quickly. As you can probably see, like that episode is very short Mm -hmm. and we had a lot of time before we had to get to the movie. And we just looked at each other like, do you want to just watch the finale? Yeah, because we ended up with like four and a half hours of downtime. And we're we're getting dinner too, but like, it's not going to take that long to eat dinner. That's ridiculous. So we just looked at each other and we were like, do we want to just watch the Bernadette season finale? Because we were already planning on watching it together. We we made that decision after we ended last week's recording. And then we decided, why the fuck not? We're wearing matching shirts with a quote from our stupid show on it. Like, why would we do anything else? So unfortunately, you will have to wait until our leveraged episode to hear about my thoughts on the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess hang tight for that. But so there's still an open thread, so you got to keep listening. <laughs> we haven't quite wrapped up everything yet. This is the cliffhanger for what did Brie think of the Batman? But speaking of a show without a cliffhanger, 
let's let's fucking do this. Let's rip off the band-aid so we can we can do our retrospective. This yeah. is season seven, episode thirteen, the Burn Notice season seven finale and the series finale. It was called Reckoning. It aired September twelfth, twenty thirteen. A day that shall live in infamy. <laughs> and was written and directed by Big Daddy. The IMDb episode description is that Michael must win back the trust of everyone he betrayed as James becomes obsessed with ending his life. I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I felt like that happened in like the first 15 minutes and then yeah. we kind of just fooled around for a while. <laughs> the pacing of this episode was wild. I think we could admit before we get into the weeds that like it, it was fine. It was fine. Like, no, I have definitely seen series finales like this mm-hmm. where like, the whole thing kind of feels like epilogue, mm-hmm. you know, where like you wrap up, especially on a TV show like this, where the series finale mm-hmm. is also just 42 minutes. Yeah, like, we were both surprised. That was also the thing where we were like, do we want to watch this? We should probably check how long the episode like is. And it's just another 42 minute episode. Yeah. I guess I, I guess for us, the ending of Burn Notice was more m- momentous of an occasion uh, than for most people probably in 2013. But also, but also, I think even a couple of years later, it would have been longer. I guess that's true. But yeah, like, it's like, this is not a show that I think got a lot of... Um, I don't think it was as beloved in its time. No, as, as opposed to now when it's so beloved. Yes, the, when, when we have single-handedly brought it back from the brink. The cultural touchstone that is Burn Notice. But no, just like nowadays, I think any show... Just, like, people are a little more willing to, like, let that episode be longer mm-hmm. and, like, you know, than we used to. I think, like, now, especially now that TV is made more for streaming and, like, mm-hmm. even, like, stuff that's, like, network television is, like, thought about, like, well, people also are going to be binging this. Like, you know, that is a thing that nowadays I feel like this episode would have been longer. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. And it's it's a little bit too bad. I would have liked to see a, a bit longer of an episode right. to, to wrap up, the, to have a little bit more of a satisfying sort of James conclusion. Yeah. And he's, you know, the big bad. He's the spooky dookie. He's yeah. the guy. But, you know, it was fine. So let's 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 jump into the weeds for one last time. Uh-huh. Obviously, since we just watched this episode, this recap's going to be maybe slightly less play-by-play. Right. A but also, just, you know, but there's also not that much to the episode. Right. So we start with a startlingly close-up shot of Michael Weston's face. Yeah, which was in last week's episode. Yeah, well, was this exact shot in last week's episode? Uh, yeah, I think it was. All right, well, we start on that again, and we basically kind of, like, rehash the final few seconds of last episode, but, like, from Michael's POV right. and, like, you know, his thumping heartbeat and Sonya being like, we gotta kill Fiona, and Michael being like, I don't know. His eyes are a beautiful, startling blue. We can see every pore in this man's face. We, like, talked about how like it seems like they have a nicer camera yeah it feels like i mean this is a the first episode i've watched in a while that was on a big screen like we watched it on the tv in my living room instead of Uh a laptop but it does seem like a higher quality camera for this final episode the colors are really popping Mm -hmm. um and there a lot of the locations that they're in are very colorful uh in fact fun fact one of the locations that they were in the the bodega that Uh michael drives a car through it's the same exterior location that they shot nigeria in the pilot oh interesting Mm-hmm. So a, a real full circle moment. There is a lot of full circle there. Yeah, there's there's a lot of like very like extremely aggressively wink wink meta stuff. Here's the thing about this 
finale. Mm-hmm. Like, I think when you're making a finale, mm-hmm. you have to, like, sit down and think about your iconography. Yep. And think about what is the most important iconography in the show? Mm-hmm. What things do we need to see? Mm-hmm. Like, what is... Where is the soul of Burn Notice? Yep. And Matt Nix has made the decision that the soul of Burn Notice is the opening pre-titles. <laughs> like the little explainer of the show at the beginning, like, like that is the thing that is the most iconic about Burn Notice. Is like, and it's, I mean, certainly what we've seen the most in this show because it's every single episode starts with it. Yeah, no, and I will say, I am a sucker for that kind of bullshit. And like, so am I. I am, like, so much of a sucker for that kind of thing, specifically. Mm-hmm. I love, when, I love the moment in Veronica Mars where, like, Veronica Mars says, like, about, like, another character, we used to be friends a long time ago. Like, I love, I am such a sucker for that. I have been such a sucker for that shit on Burn Notice. Mm-hmm. It's not the first time that, like, he said, like, I Michael West not used to be a spy. Like, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like, they have done that before. Yeah. Like, I am always a fan of it. Yeah, it's fine. It's good. It's... You know, we knew what this episode was going to be. It was not going to be ultimately satisfying as a story, but no. it might have been. But it was satisfying, in my opinion, as I like, hope. a finale. Yeah. And satisfying in a different way. Right. Like, I feel fine in my body. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like, oh, why didn't they do this? It was all a dream. Ah, you know, like, they're, they're, I don't feel betrayed. No, I, I definitely like, don't feel betrayed. Like, I don't feel. I didn't finish, but I had a good time. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I know what you mean. <laughs> I don't, you didn't. You didn't understand. I was literally about to say I don't feel postcoital. <laughs> See, I do. I. It's just like I fake. I faked it a little. You know, like yeah, no, the, the coital yeah. is post. Right. <laughs> Starting strong. Right. So yeah. So there's a extreme close up of Michael's face. His he looks. Very handsome. He's a little more rough and ragged, which yeah. we are on record as saying we enjoy quite a bit. His eyes yeah. are beautiful. I spent a lot of time watching this episode with Brie objectifying men. Oh, yeah. It's been like, today's been wild, y'all. Like, I know for you guys, today has been the last three weeks, but someone in this room is extremely horny for men, and it's not me. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> so, anyways, we 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 watch Michael shoot Sonia because, of course, he did. Yeah. What is he gonna do? Let her shoot Fiona? That's ridiculous. No, of course she uh, di- she dies before her name comes up in the credits. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. James also watches Michael shoot Sonia, and then he tells everyone on the ground like Michael Weston has betrayed us. <laughs> he makes an amazing sound. He's like ah. <laughs> and also, James commits in this episode to going like full southern accent no yeah like which i feel like has not been that strong the rest of the season he's always had kind of a southern hint to it like yeah no he is like full-on like almost deliverance southern he's like (laughs) a real southern gentleman all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it's like fucking foghorn leghorn just like it's a lot i say i say michael weston (laughs) so he tells everyone like michael weston has betrayed us him and fiona glenann are on the roof kill them and then fee and michael run out of the building i think this is the moment where fee goes should we shoot them or is that later no that is later okay so scratch that so michael and fee like shoot their way out of the building sam and jesse roll up in like a humvee having i guess left the best car in the world the hyundai behind right (laughs) and they all drive off then they like kind of park the car and go to or no they don't park the car that they they get rid of the car then they go to a 
bodega. Yeah, because they need to get some stuff. They need some phones. Yeah, they need some prepaid cell phones. Then Sam also picks up some duct tape for everyone, like literally like a, a roll of duct tape for every single person uh-huh. and also a six pack. And they, yeah. him and Jesse have a little back and forth. And Jesse's like, what the fuck are you doing? We're on the run. And Sam's like, yeah, I know. So we need beer. This, and- this might be our last six pack. <laughs> and then Jesse's like, well, then get something important because I'm not going to drink that shit. Yeah, which is, it's cute. We got our boys yeah. being our boys. Um, they sadly do not buy yogurt. They don't. So yeah, this is my pitch. My pitch was there's a rule of thirds that like we're left hanging on. Like the only two things that Sam has in his cart, which is funny, is duct tape and beer. But like what he should have been like was, all right, so Jesse being like, what what did you pick up? And Sam's like, well, I got some yogurt for Mike. He's going to need his strength. Got some duct tape for all of us. You never know when it's going to come up. And then some beer. And then the whole scene. You know the other, because like duct tape, everyone gets their own duct tape. And and this does come back. Everyone gets a duct tape moment. Do you remember, this was 2013, do you remember how, like, in the early 2010s, I feel like, late 2000s, early 2010s, we were, like, we had such a hard-on for duct tape. (laughs) I do remember that. We were, like, so, like, duct tape is amazing. It was, like, on, like, Mythbusters, they made, like, a, like, they had a whole episode about duct tape. I remember someone went to prom in, like, a duct tape dress. Like, we were briefly obsessed with duct tape. Was that 2013, though? I feel like that was earlier. I feel like that was earlier. But, like, Burn Notice is, like, your dad, like, your parents. Sure, they're sure, a little, sure, like, sure, sure. They're always a little bit behind on a trend, you know? Mm-hmm. But this is what that feels... It feels like a tail end of, like, when we thought, like, that, like, duct tape was the bacon of, like, not food. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's extremely fair. But, yeah, so it's... I, I feel like yeah. this would have been a perfect opportunity. It's real... It's just, like, a real epic tool. <laughs> Well, speaking of epic tools, but yeah, there there should have been fucking like the the guy. Where's the yogurt? They make a yogurt joke later in this episode, but like they're in a convenience store. They could have fucking shown us a yogurt, Matt. Exactly. There's no on-screen yogurt. Lack of commitment has always been your problem, Matt. <laughs> and this is what I'm talking about. But anyway, so like eventually, the guy behind the counter, as Sam and Jesse are arguing about like what kind of beer they should get, uh, the guy puts holds like a shotgun up to them and is like, "Hey, you're the most wanted." I want my reward. And like, they look at the screen and each of them has like their own card for like most wanted. They're criminals. You'll get a great reward. Yeah. Each, yeah. Each one has like their fucking like high school superlatives on there. <laughs> exactly. You guys should pause on each one. There's some pretty funny, like little, little nonsense in there. But then another guy comes from the back and like holds them at gunpoint from like a slightly different angle. Uh-huh. This guy, I believe, is our friend of the pod, Mario Xavier, who worked on Burn Notice for seven years. And apparently he just sent us this tweet. What's up, Mario? I don't know if you actually listen to this podcast. We've probably been way too mean to people that you like if for, to do so. But if you are listening, what's up, Mario? He, he tells me as a behind the scenes story, because he was like a PA, I think, or, or and he was behind the scenes to right. some extent. Maybe started as a PA, moved up in the world. I don't know. But he was he worked on Burnout for seven years and he was he got his little cameo in the in the convenience store and apparently a lot of cameos in the swan. Yeah, a lot of cameos. Apparently, speaking of, his wife and son had a cameo too, but were sadly cut out of the same scene. So there was apparently something else in that scene that got cut that Mario's uh wife and son were in, huh. which is cute. He has the rough footage though. Great way to end my seven year job, lots of hugging and crying all around. I still occasionally chat with Kobe and Bruce. Maybe he can get us Kobe and Bruce. Because we're nice to them. We're so nice to them. Somebody did point out I to mean, me a couple seasons we do ago, like, like, the writers might not like you, but the actors probably do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, 
we're very horny for Kopi Bell. That's that, true. Like, but we that don't get horny s- for him until like pretty late on. I don't think he's listening to the later episodes when we get like excessively horny. Just be uh, cool. Just be cool. Just be cool. <laughs> Anyways, so Fee and Michael are out in, like, the parking lot, hot-wiring a car. Sam and Jesse are being held at gunpoint inside the store. Fee and uh, Michael realize what's happening. And then, like, Michael has a a voiceover, spy voiceover that's like, I have a death wish, and drives the car into the bodega. Because, like, Michael's, like, really broken up about, like, how badly he's fucked everything up. And how, like, they're all going to be screwed because of him. And so, like, he does something unnecessarily dangerous to get Michael, or to get Jesse and Sam out of harm's right. way, but it works, and everyone's like, Michael, what the fuck? And he's like, just get in the car. But it's also like far from the most dangerous thing that Michael Weston has done. And he does do a much more dangerous thing in like two scenes from now. So Exactly. It's like weird that that's the thing that they're like, oh, he's got a death wish. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also sometime in this, we see the name Alan Rutch on screen. Alan Ruck. Ruck, whatever. No, so, it's with a K. It's like not like a. I don't care. <laughs> Stimulate, Stamiel, <laughs> Rutch, Ruck. When have I ever given a shit? Um, but anyways, at some point during this like opening sequence, we Alan Ruck's name comes on screen and you go, oh, Alan Ruck's in this. And I said, who's Alan Ruck? And you're like, you'll figure it out. And we're about to. <laughs> but before we get to that, there's a quick Matt Nix cameo, which I recognized instantly and Chris didn't until I told her. Yeah. I mean, like. He's, I definitely realize you said he's that, a news reporter. Like yeah. he doesn't even you can't even hear his lines. He's just like he he's like B roll. Yeah, essentially, I mean, no, you can kind of hear him. Can he you? talks. Yeah, you can hear him. Oh, well, no. I was laughing too hard saying it's Matt. It's Matt. It's Daddy. <laughs> like it's clearly him, just because like you, no person on screen would have that hair. <laughs> Love yeah. you, Daddy. Love you, Daddy. Matt Nix is in the show. Good job, Daddy. Really quickly before they all like. Oh, yes. After they run the car through the wall and like maybe after the the Matt Nix cameo, sometime in here, Strong calls Michael uh, or Michael calls Strong and Strong yells at him and is like, fuck you. <laughs> we know what you did. This is like you clearly like turned whatever. I, the CIA is done making excuses for Michael Weston. Like we are going to get you. And Michael's like, ah, OK. So after that phone call and they realize like we're on the run. And we're screwed. And then Michael's like, fine, I'll lone wolf it. I'm so sorry. I'll figure this out. And they're like, fuck you, Michael. (laughs) No, we're in this together. You should go see your mom. So we have a quick scene with Michael and his mom. Unfortunately, the last they will ever have, I believe. Uh Yeah. They do some good work. They, you know, she's upset with him. He's apologetic. Uh, Apparently, his nephew loves him. (laughs) Yeah. No, like, she says... She says that, like, she says, like we- Charlie's birthday is coming up, mm-hmm. and she really wants, or he really wants... Because she can tell he has a death wish. He's, like, exactly. he's being very obvious about, like, hi, I'm, I'm Michael Weston, and I used to want to live. Now yeah. I don't. Exactly. No. And, like, she, like, she says that, like, Charlie has a birthday coming up, and, like, he really wants his Uncle Mike there. Which is, like, wild. <laughs> yeah, at that point, Chris and I looked at each other and were like, has this man ever had a scene with a conscious Charlie Weston? Like, it's never happened. And the like, only scene they've ever been together was the one af- the, at the end of him getting tortured, where his nephew is sleeping in the same room as him, and he's like, he didn't want to go to his room because he's so excited that Uncle Mike is here for a sleepover. Right. Which was cute, but that's not them actually interacting. No, so, and it's, like... it's also, it makes no sense because, like, Michael Weston is not an adult that children would like. No. Like, he is not, like... He's an ad- barely an adult, hum- uh, like, adults-like. Exactly. Where it's, like, 
like Uncle Sam and Uncle Jesse, like, you know, like from uh, Full House, I'm just realizing. <laughs> um, no, but like they're adults that like are fun that children would like. Mm-hmm. Even like Aunt Fee is like much more like of all of them, Michael should be the one that he likes the least. Right. Because he's like so weird and standoffish. He's, and like, also you know, has never shared a scene with him. Exactly. <laughs> um, like I fully believe that like off screen they have like been in the room together. I'm sure they've shaken hands at least once. Ex- no, I am sure they have literally, that has happened because that is how Michael Weston deals with his child. Exactly. Like, and like at the end of the episode, like spoilers for the end of the episode, <laughs> like, like, he's got fucking Charlie in his lap, mm-hmm. and it's like he's never, like, interacted with a child before. He's like, he's asleep on my lap. What do I do? Like, <laughs> should like, I take him to bed? What What should I do? Is he dead? What's going on? <laughs> what happens if you move them? Are they okay? Do I have to support the neck? <laughs> yeah, wild stuff. But anyways, he and his mom have a nice moment, and, you know, and he, like, apologizes, and she's like, don't make me lose both my sons. Like, yeah. don't. I see you have a death wish. Stop it. Right. And he's like, mm, maybe. And they hug in this boat in a house that is like, we weren't sure where they got the house, but like, I saw like a realtor sign. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely like a house that's like being sold. Mm-hmm. It's also just very colorful. There's like green walls in it. Like mm-hmm. the colors really pop in this episode. Yeah. It's a great looking episode, Matt. Good job, daddy. Yeah. We we have like a brief scene where we establish that like they have that they're they're only shot at getting any of them out of this and atoning for Michael's many sins that lasted all of like ten minutes last episode is to find and like take down James and his network and his network and so they. Michael mentions that Sonia mentioned something about like a satellite array or something, something communication center, well, something. In the last, and they epi- have a guy that helped them. In the last episode, when like at the place where like James was supposed to get captured, mm-hmm. that was like their old satellite place. Oh, and then she that, mentions yeah. like, yeah, we don't use this anymore because now we have one in Miami. Yeah, a guy helped us set it up. Exactly. Or and they're like, we got to find the guy. And so like. I'm sure we spend probably two minutes on this scene, but they find the guy and they go to like run him off the road and uh, like kidnap him and force him to tell them what's up. But when Sam puts out, you know, the spikes on the road, the guy just drives right over them because he's he's in an armored car and they're like, fuck, fuck. So they have to pivot. Eventually, Michael has is in the car with fee fee drives up next to the car it's alan ruck and that's when i i we see alan ruck with a terrible mustache and i'm like oh alan ruck and you're like yeah that's yeah, alan, alan ruck, ruck. <laughs> it's really wild how they introduce him because like they introduce him in a terrible shot yeah he's like, in a car driving a, and it's always exterior of the car well no but it's also like they get in the car oh that's true they do it that one but point. like it's this weird kind of like shaky handheld shot he has a terrible mustache he looks awful (laughs) he looks like shit he looks terrible which like to some extent that's part of the alan ruck thing (laughs) the thing about alan like alan ruck plays ineffectual men Mm -hmm. that is like what he does like but it's so wild and what a weird get for this baby part that lasts like what five minutes in the run of the episode right it's so weird that like it's such a high profile thing but they also don't treat it like it's a high profile get no he's just some guy matt nick's gonna play this part right exactly (laughs) like they don't like fucking introduce him he doesn't get like a cool money shot Mm -hmm. like he's just there 
Yeah, it's very weird. And so he tries to drive away. Um, Do you think Alan Ruck just really likes burn notice? I hope so. Fuck, I hope that's true. That's really cute if so. That's my new headcanon. Confirmed Alan Ruck is a huge burn head. He's a huge burn daddy. But anyway, so Fee drives up next to him as they're like trying and failing to like get into his armored vehicle. And Fee had mentioned earlier in the scene that she has like a block of C4. And so Michael takes that, uses his duct tape to like put some sticky duct tape at the back of the C4, jumps out of Fee's car and onto Alan Ruck's car. Super dangerous. Alan Ruck tries to like knock him off, but Michael manages to duct tape the C4 underneath the hood or something and then jumps off the car right I before it explodes. Wheel, in the wheel well, I think. Yeah. yeah. He's basically like, C4 won't do much to an armored car, but it will, you know, tip it over. It might yeah. not like break into the car, but it will cause the car to like fucked up, get right. fucked up. And so Alan Ruck like stumbles out of the car. They hold him at gunpoint and they're like, Tell- take us to James. And he's like, nah, okay. So they go to James. Turns out that James's new communication center is like the old like Miami newspaper, like some Miami newspaper Paper office. Yeah. yeah. It's like a big condemned office building that was condemned after the last hurricane and but it already had all the hookups they needed and they could get it for cheap from the city so hiding in plain sight and alan ruck's like good luck everybody i'm gonna fuck off and they're like no you're getting back in the truck oh i guess we should mention at some point that earlier in the in the episode before we go on our alan ruck hunt they tell jesse to go watch madeline yeah they tell jesse to go watch madeline Mm -hmm. because like he can't be he's not one of the original three so yeah he's not from the ridge tridge exactly No, he, yeah. he's a he's a the force awakens exactly but he is now babysitting madeline yeah and then uh, they yeah they go to the place they put alan ruck in the trunk <laughs> and never take him out yeah what i guess i mean presumably sam took the car and left no of course i like to think he's still in there <laughs> <laughs> like everyone is kind of like forgot about alan ruck it would have like, been funny to have like a post-credit scene where it's just alan ruck in a trunk like hello <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> Hello, my name is Chuck Finley. Lo- Somebody let me out. I love Alan Ruck so much. Like, do you You don't watch Succession. He's so good. No. On, he is so good on Succession, playing a very Alan Ruck Isn't part. everyone good on Succession? I mean, Isn't everyone that, like, is, the thing of Succession? No, yes, everyone is very good on Succession. But, like, yeah. Like, be, like, but he plays, like, the older brother who, like, is from a different mom and who, like, doesn't count. And he's very annoyed that he doesn't count. Like... <laughs> He's like, I'm the oldest and no one cares about him because he's so, like, pathetic. <laughs> like, like they're all pathetic. Every character on that show is pathetic, but, like... Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, Alan, goodbye, Alan Ruck. They go into the building. We hardly knew you. We hardly knew you. They blow their way into the building from the back and see that it's rigged up with a bunch of, like, Claymore mines and additional stuff. But luckily, they came in from the side, where uh, presumably where Alan Ruck was like, you can go in that way and it will be safe. And so they head up because they, they also learn from Alan Ruck that not only is this, like, where all his communication shit is happening, but there's also a backup like hard drive and michael's like perfect that's what we'll take to the cia that'll clear our names like that's all evidence, good yeah that's the evidence we need so even if we can't like get james although we're definitely going to get james we'll have everything we need to like right. disassemble his entire organization so they go to like the backup room when all three of them get a phone call at the same time and they're like why are all of us getting phone calls at the same time the only people who know this number are jesse and madeline Fuck. So they, so Michael answers, of course it's James. And he's like, hey, you know, the very public like bodega that you crashed into and took phones from? 
I found the phones and am tracking them. And not only did I find out that you guys are here, hi, I'm outside by the way, but also, you know where the other two phones that you still are? Probably where your mom is and someone else, presumably. And they're like, fuck, shit, fuck. So now like James has the upper hand and is like, hey, I'm going to kill your everybody. Yeah, so James is like, the upper hand is mine. Michael Weston, come out of that room right now or I will kill everyone. Right. Starting with your mom, who I know is at that second location. Right. And so they they go back and forth. They're panicking. Michael's like, give me a couple minutes to like think this through. And he, and, and, um, he goes, no, fuck that. <laughs> You're Michael Weston. Of course, I'm not going to give you time to like pivot. You, you come out right now or I'll kill everyone. And Michael's like, can I call my mom first then? And then I'll come out. Like, I'll turn myself in. It's fine. It's fine. And James is like, you have two minutes. And it's like, okay, James. So... You, you acknowledge that Michael Weston, given him any more time, will pivot and figure his way out like a cockroach in an apocalypse. But then you're like, but sure, you can have two minutes to make a phone call. Right. But whatever. So because James is a sucker. And so Michael calls his yeah, mom. Yeah, he cares about family. He, he, Michael calls his mom. I guess before we actually get the call with the mom, we have a scene with Ma- uh, Jesse and Madeline that I think both of us cried during. Yeah. Um, Cause back at, I will say, back I, did at the ranch. I didn't really cry at this episode. I was a little disappointed. I was ready to cry. Mm-hmm. The, the closest I got to crying was this scene. Was this scene. Yeah. I, I, I guess I didn't have like tears falling out of my face. Yeah. Like Michael does in a couple of minutes, but I did like, I was, I was visibly wet. Right. God. <laughs> So <laughs> I am visibly wet. My center is moist during a very sweet scene between Jesse and Madeline. Where My favorite scene of the episode. Oh, by far. Yeah. For sure. Best scene of the episode where basically like they're talking through everything. Jesse is like helping Madeline and Charlie pack and they're using this big duffel bag to like get all their stuff in, but it's too big. So it won't zip. So Jesse is using his, his duct, duct tape, tape to duct tape the the duffel bag like badly though he's just like he's not wrapping it around it, there's no way it's gonna stick but whatever it's funny that we watch him do this and he and Madeline is like having a conversation and Madeline's like you know do you think this will be okay and Jesse's like no it's totally gonna be fine and Madeline's like what's the plan and he's like I don't know we'll hide or something we'll figure it out I do like that the duct tape gag is just like a this episode gag because mm-hmm. I do think there's a thing that happens sometimes in finales where you get so wrapped up and, like, paying off every loose end and everything from the whole show. Mm-hmm. I like it when a finale also has a thing that's just the finale's game. Mm-hmm. You know? And they do a fun job. Yeah. I think everyone but Fee uses duct tape. I don't think Fee uses duct tape at any point. I don't know. She used it to put, like, bombs. Oh, maybe she did. That Yeah, that's yeah. true. Because she sets up the bomb to get into the, the like, showdown building. Yeah, so she probably used duct tape there. Okay, so that's yeah. true. Okay, so Michael used duct tape to blow up Alan Ruck. Fee used duct tape to get into this finale building. Jesse uh-huh. is using duct tape to, like, pack for Madeline. And then and Sam Sam's will la- is coming up. Yeah, Sam's is coming. He, he uses it to, like, distract some guys as he escapes the building. But, like, he pointedly does not use it as duct tape. Yeah, but he pulls it out and is like, ooh, duct tape. He pulls it out and then he just, like, throws it like a frisbee. Yeah, and it's a big, pretty big thing of duct tape. It's going to make a sound. Yeah. But anyway, so the scene between Madeline and Jesse is very sweet. And it's basically Madeline being like, so you're just going to, like, leave the country with us and you're fine with that? Have you ever wanted to just, like, fucking leave? This this group of people has not made your life easy. And Jesse basically is like, I ask myself that truly every day. But, you know, 
think about it this way. When I was growing up, it was just me and my mom. Then my mom got killed and it was just me. And I was alone and I didn't have any family. And then you all came along and now I have a family again. And that makes me sad. I know. (laughs) Both of us are like clutching our hearts as we're recapping this. It's very sweet. He acts the fuck out of it. He He looks so handsome doing it. He looks so hot. (laughs) And like. Madeline looks great and is like acting her heart out. He's got a found family. I know. And it's just like so good and he's so hot. (laughs) Like. We were both watching this scene while wet. Yeah. (laughs) Every kind of wet that you can be. Yeah, there was not a dry seat in the house. Oh, boy. <laughs> we gotta... This is this is one last episode. We gotta make it nasty. We gotta make it as horny as possible. Exactly. So, yeah. So that happened. God. Then James is like, hey, I'm gonna kill everybody. And so Michael calls his mom right as Jesse and Madeline were about to leave with Charlie. And then notice a bunch of guys rolling up. And they're like... What are we going to do? We're trapped in the house. And so Madeline talks to Michael for a little bit. And Michael's like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to turn myself in. And Madeline's like, the fuck you are. Absolutely not. No, I'm not losing both of my sons. Absolutely not. Fuck that. Fuck you. I will. I will sacrifice myself. Yeah. And like, I mean, there's more to that conversation, but not really. Yeah, that's the gist of it. She's it's basically she, she's basically like, this is what I can. I, I should have protected you a long time ago. Yeah. And I'm so sorry for everything that, you know, I put you through. I know you're sorry about all that this has gone down, but this is something I can do for you. Let me do this. I will like get this motherfucker. Right. And we, and we saw it earlier in the scene, I think, but somebody had left some C4 with like right. a trigger. on It was it. like, yeah, with a trigger on it, like not like a remote detonator, Mm-mm. just like a, like, button on a thing of C4 that was in one of the, like, duffel bags. Yeah, as they were, like, yeah. repacking everything. And so the plan is that Jesse and Charlie are hiding in the... Because, they like, they, they could try to shoot their way out, but it's just Jesse with, yeah. like, a child and a grandmother. Right. And, like, they don't want to blow Michael's spot too early. So when everyone comes in, somebody needs to be waiting for them, and they need to manually blow yeah. up the bomb. And so Madeline's like, listen... Jesse, you could do it, but then I would have to shoot my way out from anyone who didn't get killed in the initial blast. And you and I both know that's not going to happen. Exactly. This is the only way that Charlie gets out alive. Exactly. And it's devastating. And Jesse looks devastated and they hug and she says goodbye to Charlie. And then she like, like Michael, we, we cut to Michael and he is crying like full tears. Yeah. (laughs) Chris goes, wow, look at him acting (laughs) like really loudly. Um, and then Michael like turns to Sam and Fiona and Sam and Fiona are aghast and, and, and Sam tries Sam to is, call her back and is like, yeah. no, she can't do this, but the f- call won't go through and he throws it to the ground. I'm kind of sad that they didn't get to say goodbye to yeah, her. Yeah. It's kind of sad. But it's like, I get but it, also but... it's sad, but he acts that sadness. Oh, for sure. Like, Everyone's doing a great job this episode. Like, yeah. Like it's one of those things where it's like, not like the show it's not the show's fault that we didn't get that. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like the situation's fault. And oh, like, for sure. And, like, we... I'm sad as a human. Yeah, we feel the emotions with him that he doesn't get to have that moment. Yeah. I will... This is the thing that I was spoiled on. For years, I've said I have been spoiled on a thing. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that I was spoiled on. Um, on Twitter, it was literally just, like, one of those, like, Twitter, like, prompt threads where someone was like, what is a television death that affected you very strongly? Oh, I remember that when that was going around. Yeah. And I looked at that. I just like, oh, look. And it was like, uh, and it said like, uh, spoiler, spoilers, obviously, for mm-hmm. the thread. And I was like, that's fine. I don't care. I don't, right. What show am I going to get spoiled on? <laughs> I got spoiled on Madeline dying. That's like, wild. Like, 
That was, like, years ago. Remember that? Not really. This was, like, we were only, like, two or three seasons in. Okay. And, like, I, was I like, Yeah, I was spoiled on my thing, which is the end of the episode reveal of, right. like, what all the voiceover was. I was spoiled on that before we even started the podcast because that gif of Michael and Fiona sitting in their Irish home, yeah. uh, which, spo- not spoiler alert, but, like, fun fact, the house that they're in is the same house from The Holiday. I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a rom-com house. Yeah. From Nancy Myers' The Holiday. But anyways, oh, that final... That's so good. Them, them being a, lit by fire. That's a really good house. I watched The Holiday not that long ago. I want to watch it again, but my mom wouldn't watch it with me for Christmas, and now it feels like it's too late. So I have to wait weird, for next year. Weird fucking movie. Oh, super weird. But like, yeah. those rom-coms that are actually good are kind of weird. Yeah. That's what makes them good. No, totally. But like... <laughs> but anyways, that was what I was spoiled on, because I, I was searching for GIFs to like promote, hey, we have a Burn Notice podcast coming out, and that's one that came up, and I watched Fiona say, my name is Michael Weston, and I used to be a spy, and then like, I, I saw a handful of other GIFs of like the kid there. And so I realized that at first, I don't think I knew it was Nate's son, but Uh I knew that Michael and Fee were like the last moment of the show. And I knew that this was setting up that Michael Weston was about to tell his life story to someone, maybe Fee. I wasn't exactly sure. And that was the framework. So that's where all of the voiceover came from. Exactly. So I knew that from the beginning and I was like, all right. But yeah, no, like somewhere around season three, I want to say like, yeah, I found out that Maddie like dies. And so like, I've been waiting for her to die. Mm Mm-hmm. I will say. It's fucked up. It's fu- No, I remember when, like. Yeah, I had I, no idea. As soon, as soon as she came back for season seven, I was like, ah, hell yeah, Maddie. When we talked about episode 11, and, like, we talked about how, like, because there's that one, that's the one episode that's, like, the really tense one where it's, like, mm-hmm. our, like. Oh, yeah. Madeline's in the house. Fee's outside about to take out James's guys. Yeah. I, the whole time I was watching, I was like, she might die. Like, I actually thought, like, Madeline might die in this episode because she's going to die. Like, so, mm-hmm. like, I was watching that whole episode, like... Extra on edge. Extra on edge because of that. Actually, uh-huh. I when I finished that episode, I actually did. I was, like, so, like, on edge <laughs> because of that. And I knew that I wasn't going to watch the next episode till this morning. Uh-huh. And so I literally, like went and like okay what episode does she I, get, I need to know which episode she dies and I was like oh no she dies in the finale I was like, okay. I was like oh okay and I was like cause I did I thought she was going to die I thought she was going to die in like a Nate way mm. I mean like, she kind of does helping Michael no but like she chooses to die like That's I true. like I thought like she was going to be killed mm. you know not yeah, like but, but what actually happens is like all the guys break in like Madeline Weston we're here to kill you on behalf of James the terrorist and she she is we there's this great actually genuinely great shot Matt's uh Nick's where it's from behind at first as we're like hearing them starting to break down the door and we see just like the back of her spiky gray head mm-hmm. and her lighting up a cigarette like you know she's been yeah. she spent the whole season quitting cigarettes for Charlie but like it's she's about to die she is lit a cigarette and so then we they break in we look at her on the couch and she's sitting there she takes a drag and is like hello there this is for my boys and then like pushes the button and the house explodes and i'm devastated but it's a pretty raw line it is a raw line you know who else is devastated who the realtor that was selling that house (laughs) we can't think about that right now oh i guess the other line that i really liked was earlier right before michael drives a car into the bodega to hit our friend Mario Xavier, uh-huh. where he and Fee are talking and he's like, why did you come back for me? Like, I'm clearly not worth it. Like, you, why why would you do that for me? And she's like, uh, because if, she, he was like, you could have died. Like, did you, do you realize that? Like, if I was too far gone and like, there was every reason to believe that I was, like, how did you know that you were gonna get out of there alive? And she basically says something to the effect of like, 
if you were really that far gone, then it wouldn't have mattered if I got out alive. Yeah, which is which pretty raw. It's pretty yeah. raw. I wish, again, we'd had at least one more episode where they had gotten closer after, like, post-Carlos. Yeah. Because that would have and, like, earned post, that a little more. And post-Sonia and, like, Yeah, you know. exactly. Like, we, everything we said last week holds true for this. Like, most of the season didn't have to change that much if they just paced it a little better. But it's also one of those things where, like... I didn't know what this episode was going to be mm-hmm. until, like, five minutes in when I was, like, I knew what episode this was going to be. Like, sure. Because, like, the, I will say, the tone of this episode is wildly different from the tone of the last two episodes. Yep, yep. Like, suddenly, it's, like, a really kind of, not jokey tone, but it's, like, you can feel it. Just everything feels different. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost kind of... It is a little bit like the Breaking Bad finale, which has a really denouement feeling to it. I didn't watch Breaking Bad. Yeah. No, I know, but I'm saying it anyway, because people listening to this have. And I'm just saying to the people who are listening that I will not be contributing to this conversation. Okay. But like, yeah, but like, yeah, I watching this one, I was like, oh, we're going for like a big crowd pleasing, but kind of. Anticlimactic. But a little bit hollow feeling. We're like, we're just Hollow is a good word. Yeah. yeah, It is a little bit of a hollow episode. There are are moments of wonder when we get to settle in a little bit. Basically every scene with Madeline because she's about to die. Like nobody else really gets those moments. And like I I even said to Chris while we were watching, I was like, I'm even though it's kind of shitty that Jesse is separated from the gang for this because like, you know, we have to have our our ridge tridge people. I'm glad that it's Kobe Bell in this scene with Sharon Glass because he's the best actor and I think he's fucking killing it. Right. Other than Sharon Glass. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean of like our young crew. Of our, yeah. Uh-oh. So anyway, so Madeline explodes or is about to explode. Those young kids. <laughs> Those young whippersnappers. The non-exploding whippersnappers. Michael walks out uh, with his hands up and is like, I'm unarmed, James. I'm turning myself over. Fiona's coming out to negotiate on behalf of the others. And James is like, cool. That's I mean, dumb, but okay. Yeah, it sounds stupid but okay she can watch you die i can't wait to see that i guess and they they walk out and fee turns to michael and she's like should we shoot them and then they each like put their hands behind the other one's back and grab the guns from each other's back like oh god it's so good it's i mean if i wasn't wet already yeah no absolute it's very good ocean but yes and she says the thing. She says, should we shoot them? Like, because, again, that is the iconography of Burn Notice. Is like, <laughs> the opening credits. Yeah. And we're not done. And so they shoot at James and everything. Uh, Sam escapes with the hard drive and gets out. He uses his duct tape to, you know, throw people off the scent and manages to escape. But right as they're, like, they've they've shot James, his gun's out of his way. James, uh, you know, James knows that it, he's lost. He's like, what are you going to do now? Blah, blah, blah. And Michael's like, I don't care. Fuck you. And then James pulls his final gambit out of his back pocket and it's a dead man switch and he was like hey you know how downstairs there's a bunch of claymore mines those were Chekhov's claymore mines bitch and, and we know that claymore mines are bad because we watched burn notice and so he he drops the dead man switch the explosions go off downstairs we see sam like manage to get out and like dive away from the explosion and then we hard cut to langley Yes. And and I said out loud, oh, is this what we're doing? We're going to pretend like we don't know Michael Weston made it out alive? Okay. Yeah. So it's Jesse and Sam wearing, like, matching gray shirts. I think this is the thing that actually suffers the most from the pacing. Is, like, this reveal? Yeah. Or this attempt at a reveal? Exactly. 
Yeah, um, I agree. Because, yeah. like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way that, that that's how Michael Weston goes out. If Michael Weston's going to go out, it's not going to be with Fiona. It's going to be saving Fiona or something like that. No, of course. Whatever. Uh, and also, who's going to take care of Charlie? Right. I, I pitched in this room. I was like, well, if we're going to pretend like Michael and Fiona are dead, wouldn't it be fun to do a My Two Dads with Sam and Jesse yeah. raising Charlie? Are you kidding me? No, that would be very good. Amazing. Spinoff show. Maybe that's going to be our episode. It won't. We've already decided what our episode's going to be. But regardless, they're meeting with Strong. Strong's like, everybody hates you, but I really like you. We managed to take down all of James's organization. Thanks to you and your brave sacrifice, you guys can go. Because apparently Jesse and Sam have been in, like, lockup for a while. Yeah. And Strong's like... And also, like, they kind of assumed that they were going to go back in. Mm -hmm. Like, because... Like, of the original, because Michael didn't quite fulfill the original deal. Right. Like, of, he, like, turning over James and yeah. then the organization. But Strong is happy. His decade-long arc is complete. Right. And he's like, I, I'm... That's the real closure of the episode. <laughs> the real closure is Agent Strong finally yeah. getting a medal. Oh, and he, and he also says, like, oh, by the way, the memorial wall downstairs for, like, all the, uh, all the fallen soldiers, Michael's getting a star. Yeah. And so then we cut to Michael and Fiona's funeral. Right. I guess Madeline's funeral already happened. Weird that they split them up. So Sam does some shooty-shooty at Michael and Fiona's funeral. Like, you know, like, ceremonially. <laughs> no. There's not a firefight. <laughs> Sam goes fucking nuts. <laughs> he takes it. He mows them down. But yeah, so Sam and Jesse are there and they have a little talk. Cry, motherfuckers. <laughs> Oh, and in the scene with Strong is when Sam gets his big uh, opening credits moment where um, where Strong's like, everyone hates you. And Sam's like, that sounds about right. You know, spies, bunch of bitchy little girls. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you're not wrong. It's and he like, delivers it fun. Like Bruce Campbell's having it, a good time. They really couldn't find a good way to work in someone needs your help, Michael. <laughs> she, I think she kind of says something to that effect in her final phone call with Michael yeah. or something like that. Or maybe even the scene before. I, the problem is like, yeah, there's no way to do that line specifically, but right. she roughly says that. Right. Regardless, yeah. So Sam and Jesse kind of debrief post-funeral and they're like, yeah, it's too bad they missed the funeral. Where do you think they are? Huh, I don't know. There's yogurt and C4 all over the place and they like laugh and that's the only mention of yogurt. There's no actual yogurt on screen Matt Nick's failure <laughs> I'm mad okay and so You're then it failure daddy <laughs> daddy you fail. fail daddy daddy so daddy. we cut away from that to daddy. an exterior shot with Irish music of the house from the holiday and Fee and Michael are sitting by the fire Charlie has fallen asleep on Michael Michael looks terrified <laughs> and Kate Winslet is just off screen <laughs> being like oh my gosh it's so cute and michael asks fee like what should i tell him and about me you know what should i what should i tell charlie when he gets older about all of this stuff and fiona's like you should tell him everything you should tell him the truth and michael's like well, where would i even start and she says you should start at the beginning my name is michael weston and i used to be a spy and then irish music plays us off end of burn notice yeah which <laughs> is kind of weird mm -hmm. because charlie knows what his name is Sure does. It seems like a weird thing to say. Do you to... think that was planned the whole time? I don't think it was. No, it wasn't. Because, like, you wouldn't say that to a child. Like, you wouldn't <laughs> well, say Well, okay. Like... He no. would. Michael Weston would. And Fiona knows him better than anyone in the world. And she yeah. goes, you're a big-ass dork, and you're going to start with something stupid. You're definitely going to say your full name <laughs> to the child who you're raising. <laughs> Who's presumably going to call you dad. I guess Uncle Mike. Maybe they'll call him Uncle Mike. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, because like he, I don't, I was gonna say, you only, 
three. I was apparently. kind of hoping that Michael and Fee would end the season with both of them in the accents. <laughs> Where they'll right. raise Charlie as if they all have had accents the whole time. Right. Also, why does Fiona not have an accent? Right. We know yeah. she ha- Canonically, she has an Irish accent. And she is in Ireland. Yeah, what's happening? I have no idea. Detail work could use some work, but that's the end of Burn Notice, everybody. That's like it. Yeah. So I think, have- no, I will say, Sam and Jesse don't get to raise a child. Which is devastating to me. But Sam does say, oh, I have to meet a guy at, Car- at the Carlito. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Someone needs help. Yeah, I think Jesse was like, so what are you going to do now, Sam? And I assume Sam was going to make some joke about, like, I don't know, finally be fucking retired. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've tried to be this whole show. But no, Sam's like, actually, I'm meeting a guy at Carlito's. It's somebody that Elsa knows. He needs help. Do you want to come along? And Jesse goes, you buying the mojitos? And Sam's like, yeah, sure. And so, like, they, they yeah. grin together and we'll continue the good fight. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, they're on the good fight now. <laughs> We also should bring up that Barry was at the funeral. Oh, yeah. Barry's at the funeral. Also, the other hacker guy whose name doesn't matter. Uh, That does not matter at all. He is there. He's barely in the frame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's like half-faced in the frame. It's very funny. Uh, He gets less screen time than the one PA who follows us on Twitter. (laughs) But he was there, okay? I'm not saying that is a bad thing. (laughs) Frankly, the PA should have gotten, gotten what he got. Yeah. Like... Fuck this other guy. Yeah, fuck that dude. That character makes no sense. Uh, whatever. Um, so let's do our final spy tip roundup. There were a couple. I don't think they're going to get five. We no. have left five in here for the narrative stakes of us recording uh, this podcast one last time. Right. I don't have high hopes. So number one. As an operative, it's your job to determine how likely a particular plan is to succeed, and if something looks like a suicide mission, to call it off. Of course, that only matters if you care whether you live or die. So fucking emo. <laughs> My chemical romance. That's actually really good prep for watching The Batman. <laughs> which is a very emo movie. I can't wait. So that's nothing. We're agreed nothing. that it's nothing. So there's not five spy tips. No, there's not. But for for old time's sake, let's let's finish this. Number one, again, a spy's ability to operate depends on secrecy. Your anonymity is your greatest weapon. It allows you to operate anywhere, deceive your enemies, and when it's all over, to slip back into the shadows. When the world knows your face, your options get a lot more limited. At that point, all you can really do is attack. No. Yeah, yeah, also nothing. Also nothing. Uh Uh-oh. I think there's a couple in here that are okay, though. That's why we're even doing this. No, of course. All right. Grabbing someone on the move is all about surprise. The goal is to get your target out of his car and into yours before he knows what's happening. If you have the manpower, it's best to separate into two teams. One to track the target's car and one to prepare the ambush. I feel like we've seen them do this before. I feel like we probably... I mean, I like the grabbing someone on the move is just get them out of his car and into yours. I I don't know. I don't know. That feels pretty obvious. What, What else would they do? Just tow the car? Yeah, I guess. I mean... Yeah. I don't know. Steal his car. This is the first time we've ever recorded three Burn Notice episodes in a single day. That's 100% true. And we're doing the finale, and I have not eaten in a very long time. No, I have not eaten since yesterday. That's not good. It's fine. We're going to get dinner after this on our date. (laughs) In like an hour. (laughs) I mean, like, what's Okay, so that's nothing. Uh, Moving on. Right. Spy tip again. Attempt. Small explosives charges won't penetrate an armored car, but that doesn't mean they're useless. If you're desperate enough, a well-placed charge can come in handy since an armored car won't drive its wheels aren't on the ground. So yeah, yeah he puts the C4 in the car, in the tire area. Yeah, in the wheel well. In yeah. the wheel well. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, okay. 
One spy tip. Uh, final option. When breaking into a building, it's generally best not to use the door. Any entrance your enemy knows you'd, you'd use is too risky, which means the safest way is often the hardest. Blow up a wall. That's a terrible tip. The only <laughs> tip that is put C4 also, in the wheel well. i also pretty sure, like, in the first... Isn't the whole point of, like... Actually, no, I think it is in the first episode where, like, he blows up Sugar's wall or something. Mm-hmm. So it is a full circle tip, then, maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't blow up Sugar's wall. What he does is he shoots him through the drywall. That's right. Like, drug dealers will probably have a reinforced door, right. but they probably aren't going to reinforce the wall next to it. So just shoot the wall next to it. And that's the tip. But it's still kind of the opposite of the tip. It's where it's like saying, no, don't go through the door because it's too easy. Essentially. Ah. Like in the new tip, like the tip we just deleted, it was like, yeah, like the door is obvious, but do the hard thing. But in the opening, it was like the wall is nothing. <laughs> the door is the hard thing. Well, regardless, there's not five practical spy tips, there's but we didn't one. really expect there to be. No, it's the finale. It's the finale. Did we, did in this finale, did we use spycraft over violence? Did we? I mean, they figured out the guy they used lying to. <laughs> <laughs> they used lying. I mean, they're kind of just on the run, but even, even the one of the spy tips is like, if they know who you are, you just got to attack, which is inherently violence over spycraft. That is true. So do we want to say that the Burn Notice finale uses spycraft over violence? I mean, he faked his own death. Eh, but that's, like, not spycraft. I mean, it because is. Because he's not going to be a spy anymore. If anything, Yeah, but he uses spycraft to pretend to be someone he's not. That's true. And they had to fight. I don't know. I don't care. Okay. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's not going to be a great episode of Burn Notice. No, it's not going to. Inherently. But we have to say something. I mean. We have to make a judgment here. It's kind of a violent end to a show all about spycraft. Yeah, fuck it. No, they don't get this. Okay. There's no alias. Although, we, I guess we don't know who Michael's pretending to be in Ireland. Yeah, God. It, I wish... Is his name Jude Law? What's up? Yeah, his name's Jude Law. <laughs> He's trying to keep a low profile. And his wife, Lucy Law. Oh, gosh. <laughs> One last time, we have to say, uh, would have been better yeah. with Lucy Lawless. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think there's anything Lucy Lawless could have done in this episode to improve it. Well, no, because she would have, she would have been Sonia, so she would have died. That's true. Like, no, she, like, would have been Sonia, so, like. That's interesting. Yeah, no. That has interesting implications. Yeah. All right. Especially because she can't be uh, Larry at that point, because Larry is a central point in Michael's, like, freak out experimental horror episode. Right, yeah. Well, no, yeah, because, like, she was, like, yeah, I think when we had the idea of Lucy Lawless, like, she was not a character from his past. I think it yeah. was like... Yeah, we were basically yeah. like the function that Larry has in, like, The Temptation of Michael Weston. Right. It doesn't make sense because all of it happened off screen. So why don't we use Lucy Lawless, who we know he has chemistry with. Right. And who we know, like, has watched him from afar and is, like, a super spy lady. Exactly. Isn't it more fun if she tempts him? Yeah. Because we already like him and we are... Or we already like her and we know, like, their rapport. Right, exactly. No, I know what you mean. I think, like... No, yeah, I think you actually could have still, like, used Larry. Like, but again, like, Larry was a character who kind of sucked. Like, the flashback episode is the best use of Larry. It's, like, the one time that they really, like, Mm -hmm. pinned, like, Larry to, like... Well, it's because we got to see it rather than be told. Michael Weston has a dark passenger. But it was also, like, they made more... I don't know. They did a better job of paralleling, like, Larry with his father. Yes, like if they that's had done, also a good point. If they had done that earlier on, maybe, like, Larry would have been a better character, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. 
as per usual, every all the pieces were there. They just put them together stupid. So for the last time, we have to decide our two supporting characters use well at least. Does Fee get to blow something up or get to be co-protagonist? She gets to blow something up. Technically. So I asked you while we were watching. Oh, yeah. Technically, she doesn't blow anything up. She rigs explosives, Things. but doesn't herself. The only people who actually press the button cronk in this episode uh-huh. are Michael Weston twice. Uh-huh. James yeah. and Maddie. That's true. Ta- even though it's all Fee's explosives. She doesn't get to the blowing up. Yeah, you're right. Is I she the co-protagonist? Does though? it count? I mean, I it's her explosive. So does that, are we allowing that? You know, it would be funny. Explosions wouldn't Here's have happened thing. without Fee. It would be funny if this episode was a complete washout in terms of all the things. <laughs> but it's not going to be. No. So I want to give it to her. Okay. You now at last episode. Yeah. The explosions counts. wouldn't have happened without Fiona. Yeah, exactly. So we'll give it to her. And she also gets to say, should we shoot them? And Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Does Sam get to be peak Bruce Campbell? Yeah, he's got his little beard bit. And yeah. He's, he's got his little Carlitos bit. Exactly. And he haggling said, over who pays for drinks. And he says his thing from the opening. Yeah, like, he, uh, he, sm- he smugly says that spies are a bunch of bitchy little girls. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, and you, you can tell he's being real Bruce Campbelly about it. Is Jesse a distinct addition rather than a redundancy? He is. Yeah. He gets the best scene in the episode. Which is a genuine emotional moment with Madeline. Who gets that? And also, she fucking for sure gets to do Case of the Week. You better believe it. R.I.P. Frankly, frankly, the only person who doesn't have a really great episode is Michael. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Like, he, he does some good acting. Michael, he, like, Jeffrey Donovan does a, a decent job right. the whole time. But, like, the actual I, character of Michael doesn't really get a lot. Well, no, because, like... If, His episode if was any, last episode. Exactly. No, if anything, like, this episode is true to the original spirit of Burn Notice because it makes Michael really boring. (laughs) We have truly come full circle. So for one last time, not only was this not a great episode of Burn Notice, but let's be honest, it wasn't a great episode of television. It's not even a great finale, which does technically have different rules. Yeah, it's not a great finale. Like, I've seen finales like this. Mm -hmm. They're, like, fine, but it's not, like, a great, great finale. No. It's... It is what it is. It is what it is. All right. So uh, let's really quickly do a season retrospective and then I guess a series retrospective yeah. because holy shit, we're done. We're done. I don't have to watch Burn Notice ever again. No. Do you think Do you think you will? Someday. Yeah. Maybe when my kids are asking me, like, what should I tell my kids about the show I used to do that made me extremely famous? And Matt Smith's or Matt and Matt Nix's best friend. Well, Brie, you should tell them the truth. Start with my name is Brie Castellini, and I used to have a podcast about a spy. <laughs> yeah, that's how you'll do it. And then I'll just show them burn notice. <laughs> and then after each episode, make them listen to burn notice. And then after each episode of that, listen to burn notice noticed for the time that those have. That's episodes. exactly like. <laughs> no, the thing is, like, you like make them watch burn notice, like. You make him watch the episode of Burnettis. You make him listen to the episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then you explain all of the birds and the beads stuff that you need to explain. Oh, yeah, sure. This is how I have the sex talk with my kids. Exactly. I make them watch Burnettis. Right, like, exactly. What did they do after they kissed and tried to shoot each other, Mommy? Well, great question. I'm so glad you asked. Right. So when a Michael and a Fiona love each other very much. The two genders. <laughs> there are three genders. Michael Weston, Fiona, and I don't know. Um, Kobe, whatever Christine Cherry feels for Kobe Bell. Yeah. 
<laughs> that feeling is another gender. So for season seven, the final season of Burn Notice, there were 13 episodes, 10 of which were episodes of television, three of which were great episodes of television. Great episodes of television? Yeah. yeah. And three of which were great episodes of Burn Notice. Not the same three. No, not the same three. The first two were the same. So the yeah. first two episodes of this season were great episodes of television and great episodes of Burn Notice. Then we had a great episode of Burn Notice midway through with Rashad Rosani on episode six. A great episode of television in on season seven, which was written by uh, Ryan Johnson and Peter Lilianis. It may have been the best episode of Burn Notice of all time. Uh, but it wasn't actually a great episode of Burn Notice. No. <laughs> and then that was it. Then the end of the season was it happened it happened it sure happened y'all bummer there were only th- it, similarly to the number of great episodes of television and great episodes of burn notice this season there were also only three yogurts on screen they mentioned yogurts once or twice i think but like they would talk about yogurt but the only time we saw one on screen was three times like it's like it hard to get yogurt like i don't know why we stopped seeing so much yogurt was i know it- like, they don't even have to be eating the yogurt. Like, exactly. Because I understand, like, it's kind of a pain to, like, have your actors eat food because you mm-hmm. got to do a bunch of cakes. But even, all. yeah, just having it in the and, background, like, yogurt... having it in the fridge if he opens the fridge to get Sam a beer. Like, there's so much beer on screen. Right. There is an opportunity. There's clearly a refrigeration system. Yeah. <laughs> just have yogurt there. But, yeah, that that's it. So... And it just made the set smell bad. It doesn't even have to be actual yogurt. Yeah, it's if, like, if he's container. not eating the yogurt, just have the fucking container. They right. they had the graphic design team make them like Michael Weston specific blueberry yogurt things. Like that's not real yogurt. That's true. We know this. So yeah, so that's that's it. Uh, I will say for this season, which was a little bit of a letdown overall, but partially just because it started really strong. Yeah, and but with that. There were two episodes this season that we considered two of the best episodes of all time. Yeah. Up there with bad breaks, but in totally different ways. Exactly. So that's something to be said. No, there was like... Two of the best season... Two of the best episodes of Burn Notice of all time happened in the final season, which is good. And like episodes that were really creative Mm -hmm. and like stretching themselves out. And one of which was still a great episode of Burn Notice as well. Exactly. So, like, we know that the hypothesis that you put forward at the very beginning of the show, that there is a inverse correlation between great episodes of television and great episodes of Burn Notice is officially disproven. Exactly. Do you have any any final thoughts about this season before we go series to... No, I really think that, like, it could have been better. I had a lot of hope Mm -hmm. going into the season because, like... Generally, these kind of shorter seasons, like, tend to be a little more focused. Mm-hmm. Get to be more contained. And, like, the way that it started off so strong, it really felt like, oh, we're going to do something here. And then the way that it kind of squanders it in the second half is just really disappointing. I thought that this was going to be the best season of Burn Notice. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, I don't think it is. What do you think is? I think four. I think, like, we were talking about it earlier, about, like, the Jesse arc is the best thing that the show ever did. Yeah, agreed. Like, and I still I still stand by that now. Like, I don't know if that season had... Well, I guess I'm about to find out. Yeah, you're about to find out right now. Doing your, like, math. Yeah. There's not an... El- because of the way I started the spreadsheet, there's not an elegant way of ma- mathing this. And oh. since we unexpectedly decided to do this... Yeah, so, like, we didn't prep like... We- you didn't prep like you might have if you were gonna... Mm-mm. Burn Notice had seven seasons. It did. 111 episodes total. Mm-hmm. 
64 of those episodes were great episodes of Burn Notice, which accounts for 57% of the show. Uh-huh. So 57% of Burn Notice was great episodes of Burn Notice. Okay, so more than half. Which is pretty good and more. confirms that our formula was correct. Uh-huh. 22% were great episodes of television. Okay. Which was 25. So 25 out of 111 episodes were great episodes of television. So like a, a little a over fifth. a fifth. Yeah. yeah, a little over a fifth of Burn Notice was a great episode of television. Which is not terrible for a show that isn't really remembered as, like, a critical darling. Right. In terms of critical reception, just because I was looking at Wikipedia, the pilot episode won an Edgar Allan Poe Award in 2008 for honoring Best in Mystery, which is wild. Yeah. In 2010, they received their first Emmy nomination for Sharon Gless in the category of Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Drama. Then in 2011 for Last Stand, which I think was the season five finale. I want to say they got a nomination for an Emmy in Outstanding Sound Mixing. And they did get nominated for Favorite TV Obsession at the 37th People's Choice Awards. So I want to go back really quickly. Yeah. We're looking at the Wikipedia page. Mm -hmm. I just want to point out there's a line here, a sentence that says, Donovan's performance as the lead character also received praise for his likably lighthearted, smart mouth and vengeful spirit. That does not describe Michael Weston at all. <laughs> this is written by someone who has never seen the show. That is not, like, that is not the character. Yeah, absolutely wild. So, yeah, but I I think that's pretty good, all things considered. If we want to go by writer, these are not, uh, because of the way that my spreadsheet counts these things, there's only so much we can do vis-a-vis, like, the final counts for people who co-wrote episodes. Uh-huh. But Matt Nix wrote the most episodes with either 20 or 21, depending on the count. So he wrote 21 or 20 episodes. So he wrote about a fifth of the show uh-huh. himself. Three of his episodes were great episodes of television, which is better than we thought. And it took him a while to get there. It took him a while. 13 of his episodes were great episodes of Burn Notice. 15 yogurts appeared in his episodes of television. And to cap it all off, 13% of the episodes Matt Smith wrote were great. Matt Smith wrote the episodes? And I keep saying Matt Smith. I mean Matt Nix. Yeah. Of course I mean Big Daddy. The person who wrote the second most episodes without counting co-written episodes, which I just don't have time to put the math together yeah, for. Yeah. Rashad Razani wrote 10 episodes. So Rashad Razani wrote more episodes than anyone else other exactly. than Big Daddy. Two of them were great episodes of television. 10 of them were great episodes of Burn Notice. So Rashad Razani, at least for the, the solo written episodes, 100% great episodes of Burn Notice. Rashad Razani understood the assignment. He 100% understood the assignment. Matt, Matt Nix wrote 23 episodes of Burn Notice total, three yeah. of which were great episodes, 13 of which were great Burn Notices. Right. I was looking at how many and episodes of television they wrote. Because we have a dumb system. Yes, but you know what? We, we came up with it and it's, it's ours. And we're done. So Rashad Razani wrote the second, is tied actually for the second most episodes of solo written Burn Notice when, with Michael Horowitz. So Rashad and Michael both wrote 12 episodes each, uh-huh. which makes sense and is earned given yep. that, you know, 
They're they, good at doing it. They're fucking good at doing it. I guess technically Craig O'Neill has more than them because he co-wrote Seven and then wrote Seven on his own. That's true. So technically Craig O'Neill would have the second spot. But in terms of solo written episodes, Rashad Razani and Michael Horowitz are tied. So of the 12 that each of them wrote, Rashad Razani had two that were great episodes of television and 10 that were great episodes of Burn Notice. So a almost 100% hit rate in terms of his episodes and five yogurts total appeared in his episodes. Michael Horowitz also wrote 12 episodes of Burn Notice, four of which were great episodes of television, eight of which were great Burn Notice episodes. So he is a greater hit rate on great episodes of television, but like... But fewer on great episodes of Burn Burn Notice. Notice. Mm -hmm. And he had nine uh, total yogurts appearing in his episodes. I think that's because in Bad Breaks, he gets like a bouquet of yogurts, which is like four at once. And we counted all those as individual yogurts. And I regret nothing. Um, Oh, I guess that's the final thing that I should have said for the overall series. Uh, The series yogurt count, the final yogurt count of Burn Notice is 78.5. There were 78.5 yogurts that appeared in Burn Notice. And the 0.5, if you'll remember, is a yogurt drink that Campbell brought Michael (laughs) in like season four or something. I guess it would have been earlier, maybe season two. But yeah, so that's Michael Horowitz. Campbell that early? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because uh, by season four, Michael and Fee are together because right. then Jesse has a crush on Fee and it gets weird. Right, that's right. Oh, remember that. Uh, the next most solo episodes is Ben Watkins with 10 total Burn Notice episodes, two of which were great episodes of television, one of which was our second favorite Burn Notice episode of all time, the one with the flashbacks to Ireland, uh-huh. and eight of which were great episodes of Burn Notice. Seven total yogurts appear in his episodes. Alfredo Barrios Jr. had nine total solo episodes of Burn Notice. Uh, actually, and 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 one. That's a that's a total count for Alfredo yeah. Barrios Jr. I know that because I know how I did the sheet. So yeah, uh, of all time, Alfredo Barrios Jr. wrote nine episodes. All nine were episodes of television. And that to is date, Bar- Alfredo Barrios Jr. has never written a great episode of television, at least not for the television show Burn Notice. However, three of those episodes were great episodes of Burn Notice. So that's there you go. That's something. He understood the assignment less than Rashad Razani. That's wild that he did so badly. And 8.5 epi- uh, yogurts appear in his episode. So he he was the Campbell yogurt drink episode. Must have been. Must have been. Uh, so yeah, 0% of his episodes were great episodes of television. Who doggy? He is the only one who wrote more than like three episodes for whom that is true. Right. So I don't actually feel bad about how mean we were to him in the show. Like, sorry, Alfredo Barrios Jr., but like, what's up, dude? There had to be a villain. (laughs) And it was Alfredo. Next up, we've got Jason Tracy. Let's just do Craig O'Neill and Jason Tracy together. So Jason Tracy and Craig O'Neill began Burn Notice as a writing team before splitting off on their own. Together as a team, they wrote seven total episodes and then... Jason Tracy went on to write eight solos and Craig O'Neill went on to write seven solos. So Jason Tracy collectively wrote 15. Craig O'Neill collectively wrote 14. As a team, two of their episodes were great episodes of television. For a while, they were like our go-to team. They were. And two of their episodes were great episodes of Burn Notice with six yogurts appearing collectively. Then when they broke apart, Jason Tracy only wrote one great episode of television ever after that four of which were great Burn Notice episodes uh, with seven additional yogurts appearing in his episodes. Whereas Craig O'Neill wrote three great episodes of television from that point on, three great episodes of Burn Notice, and had three additional yogurts appearing in his episodes. So once they broke apart, we could see who the real deal was, and it was Craig O'Neill. It was Craig O'Neill. And Jason Tracy, 
is a really, weird sexist weirdo. Yeah, just really hates women. Yeah, I, I don't know how that happened. Maybe that was why they stopped being, writing together. Exactly. But yeah, for, for starting so strong, they, they had a hard time Well, I apart. do kind of feel like there's two halves to Burn Notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, before and after Jesse. Before and after Jesse. But I also think, like, after Jesse, like, we stop having every episode have a client. Mm-hmm. We stop having, like, a lot. Of, it's, it stops being very rigid. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, production and, and, like, things like that. And I feel like guys like Craig O'Neill and Jason Tracy but and, like, Ben Watkins and stuff like that, like, we're all, like, early guys. Mm-hmm. Like, even Barrios was, like, one of the first guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I fear, I forget when Rashad Razani starts writing episodes. I think season one. Oh, no, season two. Yeah, yeah. him and our, our two best boys, Michael Horowitz and Rashad Razani, start in season two. Right, exactly. So I think, like, like gradually the second half becomes more of the, like, Rashad Razani, like, Ryan Johnson, Peter Lalanis version of the show, mm-hmm. more than the Barrios, Ben Watkins version of the show. Like, they, yeah, they stick around. Technically, Ryan Johnson and Peter Lalanis don't start until season four. Exactly. Like, Ryan Johnson has a, a co-story credit with Lisa Joy in season three. Right. But he doesn't join the writing staff uh, with his writing partner. That's, and that's her first episode, four. right? Mm-hmm. The other day, I was listening to a podcast and mentioned that, like, the guy who directed the Power Rangers movie did a lot of television. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, the guy who directed Power Rangers, he just does a lot of television now. Is it like, it's like, oh, did he ever do a Burn Notice? And he did one episode of Burn Notice, which is that episode. Oh, really? The, the Lisa Joy, like, Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Johnson episode was directed by a guy who only directed that episode, but also directed the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. And Fascinating. I, I feel like that was my fault that I did not... <laughs> really dig into that and talk I'm, about we that. might have mentioned it it's been like two years no, since we recorded that episode. we didn't mention i went and listened to it <laughs> i wanted to see if i brought up the power rangers movie and you didn't i didn't uh, and, and i the world wept it did um the world so, got so wet so speaking of ryan johnson ryan johnson and pierre lalanis as a writing team wrote seven total episodes of burn notice three of which were great episodes of television two of which were great episodes of burn notice uh all told they only ever featured three yogurts lisa joy wrote four total episodes of burn notice solo at least two of which were great episodes of television so half of her episodes were great episodes of television two half of which were also great episodes of burn notice and she only ever featured a single yogurt in her episodes now and now she's on westworld and makes movies exactly lisa joy is the only person to ever write more than one burn notice episode with that high of a total great percentage of burn notice so so like i think great episodes of television the only like the only person here who like really broke out and did a lot of other like she is the most high profile person who wrote for Burn Notice in terms of like things that they wrote since that. I mean Nick Thiel created White Collar and that went on for many, many seasons. That's true. He also only wrote one episode. Yeah, he was in season yeah. one. Um, Nick. So, yeah, we're, we're getting down to our, our final folks who only wrote a couple episodes each. So Bridget Tyler was our token girl for uh-huh. the final season. She wrote two episodes of Burn Notice. Neither of them were great episodes of television. Neither, neither of them were great episodes of Burn Notice. And she never featured a yogurt in any of her episodes. But they were... 
Extremely horny. Very horny. So thank you for your service, Bridget Tyler. We will never forget you. Our only other woman on staff ever in Burn Notice was Mir Smith, who wrote one episode in season one. It was not a great episode of television, but it was a great episode of Burn Notice. And there were apparently three yogurts in it. <laughs> so good job, Mir Smith, I guess. And then we've got our final two one-hit wonders, both of whom have 100% hit rates because they wrote one episode each, D- Jason Ning and Nick Thiel. Both of them were great episodes of television, and both of them were great episodes of Burn Notice. Nick uh, Nick Thiel had zero yogurts in his sole episode. Jason Ning had three. So they were really strong writers, and I guess it makes sense why, at the very least, Nick Thiel left to make his own show. Right. Because he clearly didn't need to be here. But let me check on Jason Ning really quick. Because I don't know if we ever followed up with him, since he only ever had the one episode. So he worked on The Expanse. Uh, oh, that's as a producer. Hang on. Yeah, as a writer. Oh, uh, so he he wrote on Lucifer for a while. Yeah, he, people he, like Lucifer. Yeah, Lucifer. He did also write write for the Expanse. People like that too. Mm-hmm. Perception, whatever that is. I have no idea what that is. That um, sounds that's... mysteries of Laura. One episode. Crossing Jordan was what, what he was on before Burn Notice. Yeah, no, I mean like, not a ton, not a ton of work, but like work on shows that people like. Yeah. And perception. And yeah, whatever the fuck perception is. Okay, well. It's, yeah, it seems like his big next things were um, he produced The Expanse, but didn't seem to, but only wrote one episode of it. Uh, no, wait, that's is that right? Yeah, that's writer eight credits single episode of The Expanse. Uh, oh yeah, which is yeah, rock bottom. Right now, yeah, he yeah he was mostly a producer on that. Show. Yes, he was mostly a producer on The Expanse after Bone Notice, yeah. and then he was a writer producer on Lucifer for several seasons. Yeah, so that's you, that's what he's. Do you been. watch Lucifer? I used to. I, yeah. I haven't. That's finished a very it. that's a very you show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like it's also one of those shows where it's like it's very me, but then it doesn't really evolve. No, in my yeah. opinion. it, it, it kind of I, I hear it it ends well. So like maybe if I I stuck it out I would enjoy it sticking the landing i think like uh, but also, it kind of i got the idea after the first couple of seasons and didn't really feel the need to like follow also up. i think lucifer and the expanse both shows that were saved by amazon uh lucifer was saved by netflix Netflix, okay but we're and, both and shows also were... lucifer is what gave my brother covid the first time <laughs> my, oh, bro- wow. my brother got uh covid on the set of the final season of lucifer so that's very Lucifer gave my brother COVID is what I like to say. That is a really fun thing to say. But yeah, uh, so that's 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 everyone who was like a primary writer. I think we might have missed one or two people. Yeah, but that's and like, certainly yeah. the numbers aren't a hundred percent just because there were a handful of co-written episodes throughout the series, including obviously the final bit of of season right. seven. But by and large, we can tell who the best writers are objectively. Um, facts through, and logic. Facts and logic. So to people who had more than one episode, Lisa Joy, 50% of her episodes were great. Craig O'Neill was next. 42.8% of his episodes were great. Same, exactly the same percentage uh, were great by Ryan Johnson and Peter Lalayana. So they tied Craig O'Neill for the number of percentage great episodes solo. Michael Horowitz is what? Uh, fourth? Yeah. Fourth in line with 33.3% of his episodes being great. Which is like, that's lower, but also he wrote way more. Yeah, he wrote way more episodes. And like, it, it's it seemed like they, they put him out more effectively early on. And then when he became more like senior in the show, I think they just kind of threw him episodes. But I also think that like, he was the be- the person who was the best at the first version of Burn Notice. Sure. Like, I do think part of it was that like, that was a goofier show. That's true. Like, that's also why, like, the Jason Tracy's and, like, like, because we kind of always talked about it, like, there was the serious guys and the comedy guys. Right. But then, like, in the second half of the show, the, the like, kind of Rashad Razani 
like Ryan Johnson, Peter Lelena's show is like less funny. It's also a little more actiony, mm-hmm. less like it's a different kind of show. I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got the combined Craig O'Neill, Jason Tracy. Twenty eight point five percent of their episodes were great. Ben Watkins, twenty percent. Rashad Razani, sixteen point sixty seven percent, which is surprising. I guess it's, that's similar to like Michael Horowitz, which is they wrote a lot of episodes, right. so maybe it took him a while to find his footing. Matt Nix had thirteen percent good episodes. Jason Tracy, twelve percent, and then Alfredo, Bridget, and Mir Smith, zero percent. Yeah, like good episode, great episode of television. Bridget and Mir on the bottom. I guess that means women can't write. I guess that's I guess that's what we're learning from this. Yeah. Although uh, Lisa Joy is the highest ranked writer of people who wrote more than two episodes. Exactly. So like that's not nothing. And again, like is now the person working with the biggest biggest budgets. Exactly. She's, like, she created Westworld. She's making the Fallout show on Amazon that I am begging to be hired on. Please, Lisa Joy, I love you so much. Please hire me on Fallout. If you were on Fallout, you would just put a lot of like Monster Factory references in there. Not even. I like the actual no, like no, no. video no. game Fallout. No, I'm not saying that you don't. I am saying that that is the thing you would do, though. I might hide one. You would I'd hide probably, one. You know what I would do? I would put more Brains references in. I mean, you'd also put Brains references in there. <laughs> I but like, wrote six seasons of a zombie web series with a similar tone to the show, to the, the, the video game. game Fallout, yeah. which is also a post-apocalyptic semi-zombie show or piece of media. Right. Regardless, this is not what we're here for. We're here not to bury Burn Notice, but to praise it. <laughs> we're giving Burn Notice a Viking funeral. Even though... Michael and Fee did not. Yeah. Get a Viking funeral. Nope. I hope Madeline did. Yeah. Maybe that's why her funeral isn't what we saw because it was too high budget. I mean, she technically got a Viking funeral because she did blow up. That's. I mean, maybe part of the reason that she did get a funeral is that there's nothing left. Jesus Christ. She was literally holding it in her hand. Yeah, that's true. She was the center of the explosion. I was kind of hoping that she would, like, put her cigarette out on the C4. That would have been fun. And that's how it lit up. Right. That doesn't make any sense, logically. No. But I like that as a visual. Yeah. Um, You're really pro-smoking. I know. I'm pro-Madeline getting one last smoke before she goes out in a blaze of glory. No, you love smoking. Uh, and I also love smoking. You're right. Yeah, I think smoking is makes you look extremely cool and sexy. Yeah. Um, and as the leading authority on what things are sexy, it's cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> so, final thoughts on the show Burn Notice? That's all right. Yeah. Yeah, like it was... I appreciate it a lot more having done this show, I, I mean, will say. Yeah. I think, like, there's the thing about doing a show like this, mm-hmm. where it forces you to look at a thing way more than you would look at a thing otherwise. Yeah. And like, and I think that made some parts of the experience worse. No, but and like some parts of it better. I do think like for certain things that are very obviously good, mm-hmm. like to some extent, the more you look at it, like eventually you're gonna run out of the things that work and start focusing on the things that don't. You know, like yeah, like I like this show better now because I like had to think about it so much mm-hmm. than I would have if I didn't have to think about it so much. Yeah, like it's almost the fact that it didn't deserve this. Like, close a look <laughs> means that it gets the most out of it. Sure. You know what I mean? 
It's a good show. Yeah. Oh, and and it looks like just from a cursory look, mathematically season four was the best it had of because it was one of the 18 episode seasons and it had five great episodes of television and 10 great episodes of Burn Notice, which is the highest highest number for both of those. Wait, which one? Uh, Season four. Yeah. So the Jesse season was mathematically the best season of Burn Notice. Yeah. And also it felt like it. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, like if you could only watch one season of Burn Notice, it would be that one. It's true. Yeah. And then uh, in terms of our three favorite episodes, two of which took place in season seven, one of which was Bad Breaks, obviously. Yeah. Where would you rank those in your top three? Of those three? And Oh, and Fearless Leader. Let's throw Fearless Leader in there because it was also a genuinely good episode that I know you liked a lot. Yeah, no. Fearless Leader is still, like, probably my favorite episode of Burnettas. Interesting. Yeah. Even more than the experimental horror? Like, I think that's better. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I... I think this is where we, like, think about the distinction of, like, favorite versus best and, like, all those kinds of things. Like, like when I think about my favorite episode of Burn Notice, I am more likely to look for the thing that is quintessential more than the thing that is exemplary or, like, mm-hmm. uh, transcendental. Sure. You know? Like, I, I tend to think the things that are best are the ones that are transcendental. Mm-hmm. But if I'm thinking about my favorite, the thing that makes me feel what I want to feel from the show, like, yeah, Fearless Leader. Like, okay. that's, like, what I want, like, like, the show can't be weird experimental horror all of the time. I, like, I wouldn't want it to be. That's true. Yeah, that would not But I would want it to be same. kind of, like, Fearless Leader all of the time. Fearless Leader, just as a reminder, was season three, episode four. So, okay, so so Fearless Leader, number one, um, for that's, you. That's my fate. Oh, I'm talking favorite I, I, versus best. I would say... Okay, well, let's do favorite. I think favorite is better, because okay. best is, you know... Right. I would say, like... Fearless Leader, number one. I want to do, like, two lists. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I just like, for your favorite. My you, Christine favorite. Cherry, human being. I was, Here's what I will say. Fan of Burn Notice, I, objectively. It's harder to rank favorites than it is to rank, like, bests. I think my favorite episode of Burn Notice mm-hmm. is Fearless Leader. Okay. But I would still rank them probably... Experimental horror. What's the name of it? Nature of the Beast. Nature of the Beast. I guess. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Psychological warfare. Psychological warfare. That makes sense. Okay, so psychological um, warfare is the best episode. You think? Yeah. Sec- best episode. Psychological warfare. Then bad breaks. Okay. Then flashback episode. Mm-hmm. Then fearless leader. Uh, Forget me not is flashback. Forget me not. Like I think maybe fearless leader. Then forget me not. I'm like a little less like certain on that ranking in terms of like quality, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Okay. Like, that's how I would rank those episodes. Okay. In terms of, like, best, but Fearless Leader is my favorite. I I like it. Yeah. I don't really feel strongly enough to reorder those, so I will, broadly speaking, agree with you. Right. But say that my favorite episode will forever be Bad Bad Breaks. yeah. Because, like, what you liked about the character work in Fearless Leader, I liked about the competence porn of Bad Breaks. Exactly. And that's the most us thing we can think of. Right. Of course it is. Both of us chose a Michael Horowitz episode. Well, yeah, of course we did. Because he's an excellent writer. Yeah, and we love him. We do love him. So, yeah, the people who wrote the four best episodes of Burn Notice, according to us, are Michael Horowitz twice, then, weirdly, Ben Watkins, uh-huh. and Peter Lilianis and Ryan Johnson. Yeah. So those were, uh, even though we love Rashad Razani, none of his episodes made the top well, list. Well, because, like, he was, like, really good at, like, a very competent episode. Like, mm-hmm. he was really good at having a high, like, 
high floor mm-hmm. and like having a high bar of like basic quality that was usually never transcended mm-hmm. but like he was really good at being very competent he's a solid dude solid he's dude. not our best friend but he's definitely one of our bridesmaids yeah like exactly and he'll <laughs> help us he'd help us move oh for sure yeah Rashad Rosani's a solid dude exactly and we'd help him move I think I would absolutely help yeah. Rashad Rosani move any Bernardus writer who isn't Alfredo Vargas Jr. or Matt Nix actually no you know what no. fuck Alfredo Vargas Jr. I will help Matt Nix move oh I'll, no of course I'll help Matt Nix move yeah I wouldn't, Daddy, have, I wouldn't have done this without Matt Nix. It's true. Like, like and I and to fearless Michael leader, Horowitz's... fearless leader, and bad breaks, and all of these episodes would not exist without Matt Nix. That's true. And and to Michael Horowitz's point, that one time that we almost got him on the show, the reason that we like anything is Matt Nix. Matt Nix has his hands in everything. Yeah, I think that given that we've gone this deep into every episode, it's fair to say that his solo episodes, when it's just him. Make it clear that he's one of the weaker writers. Yeah, but I also think he's that... got a gr- he's a great ideas man. His execution is not amazing, but his ideas are great, and I'm glad he made this show. But and it's I'm also... glad he's a good dude who brought together a group of good people. Which is kind of what running a show used to be more. Like True. one of the things that's like the idea of like a showrunner and executive producer as being a great writer. I feel like is a much more recent invention that's like kind very of the much auteur effect but for television yeah no 100 like once showrunners became auteurs we expected them to be writers mm-hmm. when that is not the way that we originally like thought about it mm-hmm. it wasn't really like until like i know people talk about aaron spelling in the 90s also but like also just joss whedon mm-hmm. and like all and these aaron guys sorkin. and aaron sorkin like these guys from like the 90s who like kind of were very high profile like like showrunners. Amy Sherman Palladino. Exactly. And like that's by the early two thousands we really started like settling into the concept of showrunner as auteur, which did not exist before. Mm-hmm. And like Burn Notice feels like an older model of television. Totally. Where like it's a little bit less about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. Well, but you yeah. don't think of Matt Nix as the auteur of Burn Notice in quite no. the same way that like you think of like Amy Sherman Palladino as being an auteur. Yeah. You know? But regardless, thank you, Matt, for for putting up with us. Thanks, we Daddy. know that you know who we are, and we know that you don't love us, and I don't care. Thank you for making we the love show you. notice. Now, any reflections on the podcast that we have done for three calendar years together, Christine Cherry? What are your feelings on Burn, Common Noticed? Oh my gosh! When we started this podcast, I lived in New York City and looked like a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no pandemic. It was a joke, mostly, that we did this. Right. And now three years of our lives have been captured in audio form. Like, when we started this podcast, Will Smith had not slapped anybody. (laughs) (laughs) There was only one The Slap in Hollywood, and it wasn't involving Will Smith. In fact, it was involving Zachary Quinto? Wasn't he the one that slapped in the... The the television show The Slap? Yeah. What if they remade The Slap? A season two of The Slap, years later. That's about... (laughs) This one stupid moment at the Oscars that does not matter. That that does not matter at all. That people continue talking about. Did you see Will Smith um, resigned from the Academy? Yeah, who gives a shit? Exactly. Absolutely who gives a shit. I don't care. Like, 
God. Twitter is the worst. We don't have to, This is not what I want to be talking about. I know. This is supposed to be timeless. This is supposed to be timeless. Our finale of the Burn Noticed podcast. No, but that's why I threw it in. Okay. It's like a one little bit of like acknowledgement of this is when we're recording this. <laughs> this is the moment you know, in time. We're like, yeah. This we is all, where we're at. We always situate people in the moment of time mm-hmm. when we're recording. Sure. And that, that happened pretty recently. It, yeah. Last weekend. Exactly. But yeah, no, I think like it's a wild thing that we did i glad we did it yeah i like talking about television with you i like talking about stories mm-hmm. with you that's always like a fun thing to do um and yeah i don't know what else to say it's just it's good it was good yeah i'm really glad we did it i'm also glad that it's over no yeah of course i don't regret that it happened but i am glad that it's over honestly but i am sad yeah i feel like all of the best thing like all Anytime the things you, must come to an end. Yeah, but like any anything that like you really did right, like you're probably a little bit glad that it's over because you already did everything you could do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, I think like feel really good about it. I do too. Yeah. I I think we there were times where we were better and worse at doing this show, uh-huh. similarly to the people who made the show Burn Notice. Uh huh. But I am really proud of the work that we put into this, which is frankly way more. <laughs> than is at all necessary. Like, I would say on an average week, I spend 10 hours working on Burn Noticed. That is, like... Because, like, it it takes, like, three to four hours to watch the episodes and recap, just to prep. Then it takes us between two and four hours to record the episodes, and then I also have to edit Edit them, yeah. Which, depending on the length of the episode, can take me anywhere between two and five or six hours. So, like, on average, a week that I'm, like, actively working on Burn Noticed... 10 yeah. hours a week. Exactly. For and three years. For three years. <laughs> that is a long amount of time. Yeah. So thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you for listening to this. Like all of if, the... If you... Please tell us how you originally found out about the show. Like go to the episode notes, check us out on Twitter or on email, whatever makes sense for you to communicate with us. Please tell us how you found out about exactly. the show. How like, many of you found out about us because I posted in the burn notice Reddit really early on before they realized that we were, uh, you know, class traders or exactly. whatever. <laughs> that we were going to tell on daddy. No, God, I, people listen to this show. And love it. And that's so weird to me. It's so bizarre. Like, but I'm so glad that people listen to the show. Like, I am someone who loves podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand the power of podcasts mm-hmm. and, like, the way that, like, podcasts turn strangers into friends. Mm-hmm. Like, people that, like, you know, that you don't know in person, like, become characters in your lives. Mm-hmm. Like, in the way that, like, people who are in your lives do. And, like, to think that I'm a character in these people's lives just a little bit yeah. is truly wild yeah we i mean we know that a handful of you like because we this episode these episodes go out on mondays we know because some of you have emailed us that like a lot of you start your week with us exactly we are the marking of the beginning of your week and it's it's really lovely right i'm so honored to be that even for a stupid thing like burn notice So thank you so much to everyone who's been a part of this journey. Everyone who listens to our episodes and who responds on Twitter and who's bought some merch or has Venmoed us. Uh, It was very sweet of you. Yeah. For the record, if anyone continues to Venmo me, a very easy person to find on Venmo, I will always split the money with Chris. I will never hide it from her. (laughs) So if you you want to Venmo me, I will always share it with Chris. Uh, But you do not need to. Your listenership and undying love and tweets about yogurt are absolutely plenty for us. And exactly. I think with that, 
thanks for everything and the memories. And thanks again to Vincent E.L. for the use of our theme music that they really didn't want to make for us and we forced them to make. If you want to listen to music that they actually wanted to compose, <laughs> you can find it on vincentel.bandcamp.com. It's good music, though. Like, they had to, like, turn it into something and they did. So good for them. They did. And definitely check them out. And until... We see you again. For our bonus episodes. For our bonus episodes. Next week where we will be watching Leverage. The week after where we will be breaking our very own Burn Notice episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.